grab your Bibles tonight and turn with me to the book of John, chapter number 4. John, chapter number 4. What a joy and delight it is to be in the house of God tonight. I appreciate the kindness, the hospitality, and everything that's went into this meeting. And I appreciate, Brother Tony, I appreciate you letting me come. And uh, I appreciate tonight. How many of y'all come over from High Street? How many of y'all come over? Y'all give them a hand for coming over tonight. I appreciate them. They're dear friends of mine. I was over there a couple weeks ago, and uh, I appreciate their friendship and all the other visitors we've seen around here tonight. And I thank God for you, and uh, I look forward to getting to come to Columbus, Ohio again someday. I went to Cheesecake Factory today, say amen right there, and uh, enjoyed the fire out of that. And uh, the Ball Brothers went and exercised after, and I just stayed in the room and enjoyed it. I just let it soak in real good, but it's a joy uh, to be here. And uh, I'm a little nervous. Brother Capace come in. I feel like he needs to be preaching instead of me. Uh, he's one of my heroes. I've listened to him since I was a teenager. And I appreciate him and his ministry and his vision for this generation. And uh, I look forward to what the Lord's going to do the rest of the week. And uh, didn't we have a time yesterday? The Lord met with us, didn't he? And uh, it's, uh, I can't explain to you how excited I was to be here and how thankful I am for the opportunity. John chapter number 4. John chapter number 4, verse number 4 is where we'll start. The Bible says, And he must needs go through Samaria. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, Jesus therefore being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus saith unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away into the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, ask a drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria, For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? Jesus answered, and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be In him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Father God in heaven, I thank you God for all of your goodness, all of your mercy. Lord, I thank you for this incredible privilege and honor to be here at this wonderful church. Lord, I thank you for what you did yesterday. I thank you for what you've done today. And I thank you for what you're going to do over the next two days. But Lord, right now, as we open up the word of God, I must admit that I rely solely upon thy spirit to let me preach tonight. 
I pray, God, for great liberty. I pray, God, that you let a spirit enter this room that makes the preaching of the Word of God effective to the glory of God. Lord, I pray, God, that no man would leave here saying what singers or what preaching, but, God, may we all walk out of here saying what a God, what a Savior, what a Jesus. I thank you, God, for salvation. I thank you for the blood of Calvary. I thank you that where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. I pray, God, in these next few moments, take the Word of God, do spiritual, supernatural surgeries on our hearts, and let us leave changed for the glory of God. For it's in Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said. It is in John chapter 4 where we find Jesus going to Samaria. Now, if you study the, the route of Jesus, you will find that it was quicker for Jesus to go from point A to point B. But rather, we find that Samaria was out of the way. And I'm glad that sometimes, even if it's out of his way, Jesus will go out of his way to reach someone. And not just any someone, but this woman we find out very quick was a Samaritan woman. She was not a Jewish woman. She was from what we call the other side of the tracks. When her and Jesus were at the well at the same time, it would have caused a little bit of a stir. It was almost a racial boundary between the Jews and the Samaritans. For this woman even said that the Jews and the Samaritans have no dealings with one another. But I'm glad that Jesus does not see the race or Jesus does not see the culture. But Jesus will go out of his way to reach one that needs his love and needs his mercy. And we find that as Jesus gets to the well, he sits there on the well, but he has nothing to draw with. And a divine appointment was set for Jesus to counteract with this woman at the well. This woman comes to the well at a different hour than all the other people did. She comes to the well, and there Jesus was seated on the well. I think it's interesting to see that many times Jesus will position himself in between us and what we think we need only for us to find out what we really needed all along was the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But Jesus begins to preach to this young girl about about the well of water and everlasting water. This girl did not comprehend what Jesus was saying. She said, sir, you have nothing to draw with. The well is deep. How in the world are you going to get water out of that well that will let me never thirst again? But Jesus began to preach to her and let her know that the water that Jesus was talking about was not down on the inside of that well, but the water that Jesus was talking about was everlasting water that only comes from the river of life that flows from the throne of God in Revelation chapter 22 that taps into a man's soul and washes out the uncleanness of a man's heart and changes them with the divine glory of God. This water that this woman needed was wasn't an earthly thirst, but what she needed was the water that only Jesus could give. As they talked about this, Jesus said, if, if thou knewest. And he said, if you drink of this water, you'll thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him, it shall be in. Him, a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Now there's one word in this verse, two letters, one word that transforms this entire verse in my mind. And it's the word end. It's a prepositional word. 
It lets knows the details of where this well would be. And, and Jesus was giving us insight that when we get saved, a lot of things happen. But one of the main things that happens at salvation is that when we get saved, there is a well of water that springs up into everlasting life that is placed on the inside of a man, woman, boy or girl. Now, we could go to the hospital tomorrow and put as many of you that claim to be saved in through a scan or through an x-ray and they will not find a well. But living inside every born-again believer, there is a well of water that lives and dwells and permeates inside the heart and life of every man that's ever been saved. Living inside of me at this very moment is a well of the river of life that taps into my spirit, that gives me the joy of the Spirit of God, that well of water that lives on the inside, that bubbles up and springs up into everlasting life. You say, I don't know about all of that. Well, let me ask you a question. Have you ever had a bad day? Have you ever had such a bad day that you just wanted to get by yourself and you didn't want to talk to nobody and you got out there just recently? I was, uh, I I, I, I don't remember where I was, but I I had a bad day. I may have went deer hunting and missed a deer or something. That's a bad day for me. I, I, I was out there and I got in my truck going down the road and boy, I, you know, just having a pitiful, having a pity party for myself. And I got going down the road, and I don't even remember uh, what song was on the radio, but a, a good Christian song come on there, and I I started getting tore up. Y'all know what that? Do y'all know what that means in Ohio? Uh, I mean, tears started running out, tore up from the floor ups, what we call it. But I, I got, got going down the road, and boy, tears started running down my eyes. I mean, the glory of God, it was almost as if you could hear the car door open, and the Holy Ghost got in that little truck with me, and I got going down the road. And before I knew it, that well on the inside of me that the Lord placed in me the day I was saved started springing up into everlasting life. Now, Baptists that don't like to preach on the Holy Ghost don't like when preachers preach on this. But I believe that the Holy Spirit is a real person. I believe that it dwells and lives on the inside. I believe He is the down payment of God that lives and dwells on the inside of us when we get saved. And He's not a dormant person, but He is very much alive. And the Spirit of God will live inside a man and will stir up and spring up into everlasting life. In the country where I grew up, there was an old lady named Peg McCamey. Peg McCamey, yeah, 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 I got a cute Peg McCamey knowers. But, but Peg McCamey, she'll get on the radio and she'll just start singing. And she's as country as cornbread, but, but she loves the Lord. She's anointed to do what she does. And I, I was going down the road the other day and old Peg started singing on the radio. And she said, life is easy when you're up on a mountain. You've got peace of mind. Like you've never known, but then things change and you're down in the valley. Don't lose faith, for you're never alone. For the God on the mountain is still God in the valley. When things go wrong, He'll make them right. And the God of the good times, He's still God in the bad times. 
The God of the day is still God in the night. I got going down the road, an old peg started singing to me. And boy, tears running down my eyes. I was just, I mean, I was tearing up stop signs, swerving through the medians, having myself. And before I knew it, in the divine presence of God, the Spirit of God began to speak to me. I was telling uh, Tyler back there, I was listening to that new Carrie Job song about forever. He's resurrected. I don't know the words of it. Somebody sent it to me. And I mean, you'd have thought I drunk 15 Mountain Dews inside that car. I mean, I was tearing up meetings, had myself a time. Then old homeboy comes out there and starts preaching in the middle of that song. And I, Becky, Becky woke up and said, you're going to kill us. I said, sounds good to me. I'm having a good time. But the Spirit of God will well up on the inside of you and spring up at a moment's notice. I'll never forget when that movie, The Chronicles of Narnia, come out. Do y'all remember that movie? Uh, C.S. Lewis based a lot of that on, on Christian lingo and, and, and based on biblical characters and stories. And I knew going into that that the lion was a type of Jesus. So I'm watching this thing and I see the lion die. I see him partying around his death. And, uh, you know, me and Becky and Capri, we're sitting there watching that thing. And then all of a sudden, that line comes back alive, typifying the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I was in the theater. Don't tell nobody. I was in the theater. And while I was in there, my well started springing. I, I don't know if anybody ever got the Holy Ghost in a theater before, but I did that day. I'm talking about watching that thing come to life. And I, I, I start going, Shh. You know, I started, I started doing this, and Becky knowed what was about to happen. She, she grabbed my hand and said, not in here. <laughs> they ought to put on the sign, no well springing in here. Uh, but, but that well will stir up. Today, I was in my room over there. My pastor called me. We got to talking about the things of God. And before I knew it, deep down from my belly, that well began to spring. I remember, do you remember when you first got saved and the joy of God and the peace of God that gave you brand new life? The sky was bluer. The world was brand new. God forgave all of your sins. Your guilt was gone. Your shame was gone. Good God Almighty, God made everything brand new. You'd come to the house of God. It didn't matter who was singing or how they were singing it you were just so thrilled that you weren't going to hell anymore and up from the depths of hallelujah up from the depths of your belly the rivers of life begin to flow as the wellspring begin to spring up and that well was your joy Amen. the preacher start preaching and the little wheel would crank the big wheel and deep down on the inside that well would stir you get alone by yourself only to open your Bible and that well would come to life. When that well began to move, those tears would run out of those eyeballs and the Lord would meet with you. And so Jesus said when you get saved, that well is placed down on the inside of us. There are several philosophies of why the church is not experiencing revival like it used to or like it should be. Some evangelists will tell you that our churches are 
full of unregenerated or unsaved people. And although I do believe that there are people on our roles that may not have a real relationship with the Lord, the other philosophy is this, that there was a time when people came to an altar and had a genuine experience with God. God saved them, wrote their name in the Lamb's Book of Life, and placed a well on the inside of them. That well sprung. There was joy unspeakable and full of glory only for them to allow for one reason or another, trash to get on that well. And the well is still there, but it's not springing like it used to spring. The most unhappy people I minister to are people that know what the real deal is. They know what it's like to be in the divine presence of the Spirit of God. But now their well is laying dormant and there's no joy. Miserable people. And this is how Baptist people got to the place where they started judging other people's worship. And because they can't worship, they look over there and say, well, they're not real. My question is this, who made you God enough to know who's real and who ain't? Yeah. Yeah, we, we like to say, well, they're right or they're right. Let me, let me, I, I, got, I got enough trouble just dealing with myself to worry about somebody else's stuff. Yeah, I ain't got time. To, I, I, I promise I have a full-time job keeping my well un, unclogged. I ain't got time to worry about yours. I'm going to shout. I'm going to hoop. I'm going to holler. I'm going to enjoy my salvation. I ain't got time to worry about you. I don't. Me, me and homegirl, we're going to have a good time, ain't we? We're going to have a good time no matter what nobody else does. We're going to enjoy ourselves, and that well will spring up. If you want a clogged well, keep your clogged well, but don't be talking about mine. So we find that this well, if we're not careful, will get clogged up. How does it get clogged up? The Bible says this, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. What a scary verse. What a scary verse to know that my sin can affect God so badly that I can call out to him. And based on the Bible, he don't hear me. Sin is a big deal to God. And I know we're living in a politically correct society where they want to bridle the mouth of the preacher and bridle the mouth of the church. But let me say this, it's always going to be God's way. you, You can't transform what God thinks. You can't transform the Word of God. And when we line up with the Word of God, we will be pleased with God. But when we try to verse from that, we'll find that our well becomes clogged. And sin, big or little, will clog you're well. I know what it's like to come to church, to sit on a pew, and my, my wife. I mean, she's so sensitive. I told you she's a little more Presbyterian than I am. She just sticks it, you know. But but I watch, and just the very slightest move of the Spirit of God in a service, and Becky, she'll be weeping, crying, and I'll be sitting there thinking, "What's wrong with her? I don't feel nothing." I'll look over here and somebody else will just, amen, hallelujah. People getting on the altar and I. And nothing's going on the inside of my spirit. Why is that? Y'all, y'all ever 
Remember the days before they had these pre-lit trees? Remember when you used to have 15 million lights on one tree? And mama would put the tree up and she'd say, plug it in, boys, and the whole tree wouldn't light up. She'd say, boys, we got to find the bad bulb. One bad bulb would affect the entire tree. Nowadays, they don't light up. We just throw them in the garbage. Go get another. I mean, but that's the way it works with this. Sometimes, if we're not careful, we can let something get on the inside of us that will become a bad bulb. And the Spirit of God has to get that out. I was telling Kyle the other day when I was over there, me and Becky have been married we was fixing to get married and we was going through premarital counsel. And while we were going through this, our pastor said, CT, if you and Becky can make it through your first year of being married, everything will be wonderful. You've got it made if you can make it through the first year of marriage. I remember thinking, praise God. My wife's a Barbie doll. There's nothing I'll ever get mad at her for. What in the world? If that's all it takes, I'll be fine. I I got it made in the shade with a glass of lemonade. Everything's going to be good. There is nothing that pretty girl could do to get on my nerves. Now my favorite song is What's Love Got to Do With It? But I remember going through all of that. And, and boy, we went months and months and months with no argument, no fussing. Everything was good. I was the man of the house. No, we just, we just having a good time. Marriage on, on, our, on our honeymoon, everything was great. One day I went to work. And my little pager thing went off. And I called the office and they said, Pastor wants to see you in his office. I went down there to the office and we were pretty good friends. And I said, hey, Doc, we're... You need to talk to me about where we're traveling this week. What do, you, what do you need? And he said, sit down, son. I need to talk to you. That wasn't good. I, he usually doesn't talk to me like that. And he grabbed his glasses and put them on the edge of his nose like that and started looking at me in a way. And I don't even know why they do that. They look at you this way like they don't even need the glass. I don't understand how old people do that. But, <laughs> but he began to look at me and he said, I've been noticing That you and Becky have been late to church lately. He said, and I don't pay you to be late to church. I pay you to be on time. Matter of fact, I pay you to be early to get here and get your stuff done. He said, and I recommend if you want to keep your job, that it was word for word. He said, I recommend that you go buy you some big boy britches, go home and get your family to church on time. If you want to keep your job. I thought, oh Lord, he don't know what he's asking me to do. This is not going to end well. This can't be good. And, and, you know, he was kind of laughing at it. He said, now I know what you got to deal with. I helped raise your wife. He said, but you've got to be here on time. I remember thinking, he's the man of God. I do what he says. I'll go buy me some big boy britches and fix this problem. Now, me and Becky ain't never even had a cross word. I, she was working at the hair salon. I called her, and uh, I said, baby, we got to talk. 
She said, what do you need? Just talk. I said, I can't talk to you over the phone. I need to talk to you in person. I said, could you come home and meet with me? She said, yeah, baby, I'll be right there. I knew I had to keep my serious face. I knew I had to keep my mad on. I knew I had to, because if I'd have looked in them eyes, it would all been over with. I got to the house. I'm pacing through there trying to stay mad, trying to hold my big board britches on. I'm walking back and forth and through there. I hear the door open. I hear the sweetest little angelic voice say, Honey, I'm home. I said, I'm in here. Come here. We need to talk. I don't know why we talk like that. But, but I, I, you know, I try, put on my bass voice and I said, Come in here. We need to talk. And she comes in there. She said, hey, honey, I've missed you so much today. She threw her arms around me, laid a big old smooch on me, and held my neck and said, now, what do you need to talk about? <laughs> I look like a Columbus, Ohio, State, Ohio University football player during bowl season. Your preacher told me to say it. <laughs> I held my head low and said, I don't need to talk about nothing, baby. That quick, my big boy britches turned into skinny jeans in a heartbeat. <laughs> she said, no, what you need to talk about? I said, honey, I said, preacher's upset because we've been late. I said, and he told us we got to be. She said, you didn't throw me under the bus, did you? I said, no, baby, I claimed all responsibility. I, I said, she said, thank you, honey. She said, I'm so sorry you had to deal with that. She said, I promise I'll have everything laid out this Saturday, and I'll be on time. She laid another one on me. She said, I'm sorry you had to deal with that. I said, praise God, amen. I, I, I went to work the next day, walked in the office. I walked by his desk. I said, hey. Everything's good at my house. We got this lined up. Everything's good, dog. And we, we all, the whole week went by Saturday, come around, we went to dinner. I said, baby, don't forget our agreement. You're going to be ready on time. I woke up Sunday morning. I went to Krispy Kreme Donuts, got, our, got a Krispy Kreme Donut, got Cherry Pepsi. That's her favorite drink. Woke her up with a warm washcloth and began the process of waking up my Barbie. Look here. They don't look like that when they wake up. No, 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 it, 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 it is a process. Can I get a witness? It is a process. And so Becky starts waking up, and she starts doing all that stuff. She, she goes over there. She's, she had an outfit pick. I can say this because she ain't here. But, but she starts picking out all this stuff, and, and that one don't fit right on her like, it, like she wanted it to. So she goes back into the barn and, and starts picking out other clothes and doing all this stuff. And then God helps. She starts painting that face and doing all this stuff and, and everything. And it's all good. I'm looking at the watch. We're ahead of schedule. Everything good everything's wonderful but then Becky starts working on that hair she's a hairdresser matter of fact I ain't had a haircut in three weeks I got to get one in the morning but but I remember she starts messing with that hair and it is a construction job she would get that hair and she gets it all combed out real good she'll put a little spray on there then she'll grab that front out she'll hold it out and then she'll get one of them fine tooth combs and I'm talking about she just she's messing that like a bee's now just just doing that then she'll grab that hair and the bump is created on the back of that head once she gets it she can't move and she grabs 
those five-gallon jars of hairspray. I mean, she is laying it down. I mean, she is spraying that. Don't light no match in my house. I mean, she is spraying that thing down. I start noticing that the time is getting away from us. And I had visions of my pastor saying, put your big boy britches on. One little man saying, do it. The other little man saying, don't do it. You know, back and forth. I walked in there, I said, woman, we got to go. Don't ever call her woman. Don't do it. Don't do it. The next thing I know, the first Townsend, don't y'all act like this ain't never happened at y'all's house. The first Townsend household argument has ensued. And it was a good one. I mean, back and forth, nah, 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 back. I mean, wide open. The instant it started, little Becky, she went from being the perfect little angelic blue-eyed beauty. Those little red horns come up out of that hair. Blue eyes went to red, and I could have swore that the legions was talking to me in my house. I didn't know what to do. So finally, we finally got out of the house. We get in the car. She ain't talking to me. I ain't talking to her. And we go to the house of God. There's something about us church folk. We know how to turn it on and we know how to turn it off. Mean as junkyard dogs one second ago. But as soon as we step on church property, everything's back to normal. I walk in, those men are standing at the door. I say, praise God, good to see you, brother. Hallelujah, in the name of Jesus. Becky's over there, oh, hey, girlfriend. I mean, she's just doing her whole thing. You know, everything's good. Playing around, acting the part, everything's good. We got away from each other. I went to my side of the choir. She went to her side of the choir. It's all good. We're separated. We're fine. Preacher looked up, saw we was there with one minute to spare him. Gives me the okay signal. He said, I tell you what we need to do. I'm going to pray, and then after I pray, I want CT and Becky come sing a song for us. <sighs> no. I remember my, my heart falling and thinking, this is not going to be good. I remember standing there on that stage, and there was a, a sheet of ice right down the center. I look out there and there's 2,300 people sitting out there. And the Holy Spirit wants to talk to me. He started convicting me. Said, you just treated people you barely know way better than the love of your life. And I said, Lord, you saw and heard it all. You should probably be speaking to her, not me. No, 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 that's not how it works. And the Holy Spirit, the keeper of my well, began to break me down. He put his finger on my wrong and said, you got a choice to make. There was people out there, they didn't come to hear a special song. They didn't come to hear a fancy sermon. 
they came to get closer to the Lord. And in the position of being used by the Lord, I understand that the Lord can't use us dirty. So I have a decision to make. I look on the front row and there's a family of kids that were in my youth group. The mama's dying with cancer and she's got three teenagers in her family. Just a few services that she have left at the time. They needed something from God. I look over here and I knew the families that were hurting. And the Spirit of God was pushing on me. And dealing with me and convicting me. I started weeping. I grabbed Becky's hand while preacher was praying. And I said, baby, I'm sorry. I messed up. I said, you're the most precious thing to me that God's ever given me. And how dare me to treat you the way I treated you. I said, I want you to know I'm sorry. And I love you. Please forgive me. She starts bawling, crying. Because that's what y'all do. She starts bawling, crying, threw her arms around me. And me and her started having our own altar call right there on the stage. I'll never forget. She stepped up to sing. They started the music. She began to sing this song. And I watched that dear mother and her family sit there and weep and cry. As the Spirit of God began to move, I watched her family get around the altar. And that morning, the Spirit of God moved in such a powerful way. Becky had to sing that same song four different times. People getting saved in the altar, people getting moved. And the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, Don't ever forget what I can do with you if you'll just stay clean. If you just keep trash off of your well. If you won't worry about being right as much as you worry about being right with me and get things right and don't let things hang along and don't let things hang on to you, but keep a short list with me and keep your well clean so you can spring up and be a well of water under everlasting life. Keep your well clean. So here we are in May of 2014. We're calling this a revival service. You want to know the greatest step towards revival is when we say, Lord Jesus, my well is not springing like it used to spring. The te- there, there are kids, you went to Teen Rev, and, and while you were there four or five days in Teen Rev, you were on fire for God. The Spirit of God was real to you. The Lord had you where you wanted. But after a little while, you get home and the well's not springing like it was. And you think you've got to have the Ball Brothers and you've got to have Kenny Baldwin to get your wellspring. No, 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 no. You don't need all of that to keep your wellspring in. But you've got to keep your list and keep your well clean so that well could spring into everlasting life. And all across this church, I dare say that not only young people, but there are grown adults that know what it's like and remember a day, maybe maybe decades ago when, when you were at a meeting or decades ago when you used to experience the power of God, but something happened to you. Maybe somebody offended you. Maybe somebody said something about you. And it messed you up. And now, you can't worship like you used to worship. 
You can't enjoy the things of God like you used to enjoy because there are things that are resting on the inside of your heart. Let me say this. It's not worth it. To think that you're going to live your entire life and no one will ever offend you is a misconception. Churches are full of it. That's why there are so many churches. Because we do something here. Somebody gets mad. We go do it over here. And, and we, think that we think that we're going to live a life with nobody coming against us and nobody hurting us. But it's going to happen. And how we respond to it is how it ought to be handled right. And say, Lord, I would rather my well keep springing than hold on to that stuff. I'd rather live in the joy that you have for my life than to hold on to this sin or hold on to this opinion or hold this grudge against someone. You ever had a grudge against somebody? Boy, I have. You may not admit it, but I have. Anybody ever done you wrong before? And you say, Brother Tony, I'm over it. I have forgiven them. I moved on. But you see them at the Walmart, and as soon as you see them walking down the aisle, you. Because you ain't over it. You're still dealing with it. And that stuff gets on your well, and it hinders you. I was in a meeting last year preaching. And the Spirit of God began to move in a powerful way. And a woman came to the altar. And she began to weep for over 30 minutes on the altar. She got up and me and my wife went and dealt with her. And I said, I've known her since I was a kid. I said, I said ma'am, what did God do for you tonight? She said, when I was 18 years old, she said, I got pregnant. She said, and I was scared to death. She said, I didn't know what to do. She said, I didn't tell anybody, but I went downtown and I had an abortion. She said, and every year around the time that baby would have been born, I'm filled with so much guilt. Every time we're in a service and the Spirit of God begins to move and I see other people worship, the, the devil reminds me that I have no right to worship because of how wicked I am. She said, and for almost 30 years, I've lived with a well that will not spring because of something that I have allowed to lay on it. She said, but tonight I laid it on the altar and understood that when God forgives, He forgets. She said, people may not forgive me. People may not forget. But between me and God, everything's clear. Ladies and gentlemen, that is the key to revival. Holiness is still a wonderful principle in the Word of God. Where we get to a place and and God is pleased with our life, we can never work and attain to salvation, but we can keep a holy life before God where God can be pleased and we can experience personal revival. Let me ask you a question. When's the last time your well was springing? When's the last time you encountered your well springing up into everlasting life? I'll tell you this and I'll take my seat. Years ago during 
I believe it was World War II era. There was a little tiny community in the little place of Austria. In this little tiny community, the community was built up around a reservoir. The water flowed down the mountain. As it flowed down the mountain, it emptied into the reservoir. And the entire community was powered by this reservoir. The water would come down the mountain. It would go through the crankshafts that would go through there and produce the power for that little town. The further down you got, the, uh, all, they, 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 would, they would do all of their stuff in the water and it would cleanse themselves. They would, they would do all the things. They would, they would get their, their water, their drinks from, the, from that reservoir. They would uh, fish in that water. They would get their fish from that water. And they said, historically, they talked about that water, that it was pure and crystal clear. And you could see your reflection in that water. The abundant mountain water that ran off of that mountain. It was a thriving little community powered by that mountain stream. They said time began to go by and days began to go by. And they had a board meeting or town council meeting. And they began to talk about making improvements upon their town. They talked about making improvements and and fixing things up like the other cities. And they said that they began to go through the payroll of the people on staff And tried to find places where they could cut to find money to make the improvements. They said, we can cut this and we can cut this. And finally they named a job position, a man, a a title. And the only thing that was written on the books was the keeper of the springs. They began to say, who is this keeper of the springs? What is his job? What does he do? Who is the keeper of the springs? Nobody knew. But a man in the back stood up and said, The keeper of the springs is an old man that lives at the top of the mountain. All year long he goes to those tributary streams on the mountain. and During the winter he keeps the ice broke up so the water will continually run down the mountain. During the fall, he keeps the leaves out of the stream so the water turret will be strong all year long. In the spring and summer, if an animal dies and is in the water, he'll get the dead animal out so no pollution comes into our stream. Said, as long as I've been around, that old man has been keeping and watching after our springs. And all I know to tell you is the springs have always been clean I wouldn't fire him if I were you all. They said those smart guys begin to say, but we've always had clean water. Can't the water take care of itself? Can't we survive like we've been doing? Everything will be okay. They told the old man to tell him that his last paycheck was there and that they did not need his services anymore. It didn't make a difference in a day. It didn't make a difference in two weeks. It didn't make a difference in a month. But over time, the men that worked at the power shaft said, You know, the thing's not cranking like it used to crank. We're not getting as much power as we used to get. The lights have been flickering on and off at the house. There's... 
I wonder what's wrong with our, with our crank here. It wasn't just a matter of time that the stream began to slow down. What used to be a fast torrent has now slowed down. The history book records about this, that over a matter of time, things begin to go bad. And the crystal clear water that used to be so vibrant now begins to get murky. It begins muddy. They said over time, one day a mother walked into the hospital, the little clinic there in that little town, with a sick little baby. Said, doctor, my baby's sick. Said, my baby's sick. I don't know what to do. The doctor ran tests and said, all I know to tell you is your babies have been drinking polluted water. Somebody has got to do something. Followed by dozens of little kids begin to come to that clinic. And it was all traced back to the water. People begin to storm the city council, saying something's got to be done. Somebody has got to do something. Our babies are dying. The old man said, I told you not to fire the keeper of the springs. As long as he was behind the scenes keeping things clean, we didn't have these problems. Mamas and daddies are holding their babies, saying, We gotta save our babies. We gotta rescue our kids. So they sent that old man and a group of men up the mountain, and they were instructed to find the old man, the keeper of the springs, and ask him to forgive them and to go back to work for them. They got up the mountain. And as they climbed the mountain, they came to an old cabin. The old man was sitting out there on the porch. And they said, sir, please forgive us. Said, things sure were a lot better when you were keeping our streams clean. Things sure were better, said, sir. Our babies are sick at the bottom of the mountain. Said, and we believe it's because you're not doing what you have been doing. Sir, would you please go back to work and get our streams cleaned again? They said, the old man said, I, I would love to. Said, matter of fact, come here, I'll, I'll show you your problem. Over here, there was a big tree that had fallen and dammed up the water. Over here in this stream, there was a dead deer. Over here, there was all these leaves that had everything blocked up. And all across that mountain, the waters were held back and polluted. Said the old man, said, I've wanted to clean that up so bad, but that's yours, not mine. I can only clean that if you ask me to. They said, well, we're we're asking you to. He said, I'll go back to work right away they said that man and those men begin to clean those streams up all over there they begin to get the dead stuff out and, and saw the trees out and get all the trash out of the way they said it wasn't just a matter of time water began to run off of those mountains that crank began to move again the power began to come back on 
it wasn't just a little while, the water forced that old murky water out of there. Everything came back to life because the keeper of the spring was back in his place. Can I say America is what it is because of the keeper of the springs? America is not a great nation because of its men. America is not a great nation because of its money. America is not a great nation because of its military. America is a great nation because of the divine hand of God that has rested upon America for all of these years and impossible circumstances. And God would rescue this nation. America was founded by a bunch of pilgrims that wanted to come to a land where they could worship God freely. America is a nation where they left the mother England where they could come here and worship Jehovah God. This nation was founded on Holy Ghost filled preachers that weren't afraid to say what anybody thought. And this nation is full of stories of the great awakenings and the power of God falling up in New England. And men got saved and came down south and came to this part of the country and established churches where the gospel of Jesus Christ exploded under the power of God. America prospered. America became a great nation. America become an idol for the whole world to look at and say, how did America get all they got in such a short time? And somewhere along the line, Somebody said, you know, we don't really need that our kids praying in school anymore. Are you with me tonight? Said, you know, we don't really need that Bible in there. That, that may be offensive to some people. Some old men stood behind pulpits and said, long as I've been around that's been keeping this thing clean, I wouldn't fire them if I was you. And it didn't make a difference in a day. It didn't make a difference in a week. But over time, we see the main problem in our schools that went from having chewing gum in class to now we got kids killing each other in school. Not only there, but in our government. On the monuments of our national monuments, the Word of God's inscribed. And now our politicians are doing everything they can to erase and eradicate the name of God from everything we stand upon. And it would be one thing if all we could do was point the finger at the politicians. But even in our churches, our churches have said, well, we have to fit in and we we got to be politically correct so some things that the Bible stands on we can't stand upon and we've Nudge the Holy Ghost out of our church. And it's not going to be long. Come here, boys. Come here. It's not going to be long till some mamas and daddies say, What's wrong with my babies? What's wrong with my kids? My boys don't want nothing to do with God. They don't want nothing to do with church. They don't want nothing to do with the Lord. What's wrong with our babies? 
You can't see it. But spiritually speaking, they're dying. And somebody has got to get a burden to go back up on the mountain and find the Holy Ghost and say we're sorry. Lord, forgive us for their sake. Somebody's got to do something for this generation. I got a little three-year-old boy and you'd have to kill me before I'd strive every day to let him know what the real deal is. I want my boy to grow up loving Jesus. I want my boy to go to church loving God. And I don't want my boy to be a kid that hates the church and hates the things of God. I don't want the boy, my boy to be, grow up and think daddy hates everybody. But I want my boy to grow up in an environment where he say, boy, Jesus is the best thing in the world. I love God. I love going to church and, and witnesses to his friends. Somebody has got to get a burden for the things of God and say, Holy Ghost, we got to have you back in our churches. We've got to have have you back in our schools. We've got to have you back in our nation. We've got to have a revival. And in a meeting like this, the invitation, you can come to this altar and say, Lord, I may not be able to affect everyone, but let it start with me. Lord, do what David said. Search me and see if there's any wicked way in me. Search my motives. Search my heart. Lord, if I don't see it, show it to me. I don't want to stay wrong. And the old keeper of the springs, he'll say, I'd love to go back to work. Matter of fact, let me show you what your problem is. Look look here. You don't even remember saying that, but you did. And I've been wanting to clean it up, but I can't touch it till you ask me to. Look here, you thought nobody saw this, and, and I know this person hurt you, but you're holding unforgiveness against them, and, and we need to get this stuff out of here. And the keeper of the springs will start working in your heart again. And the goal of this meeting is by Wednesday night, that well that's been laying dormant can begin to spring into everlasting life. Hey, Mama, if you don't get your well springing again, what's your kids going to think growing up with a mama that don't have a well that's springing? Daddy, I know you may have got hurt, but if you don't get that trash off of your well and you, and you operate with the well that's clogged up, what are your kids going to grow up with? There's more involved than just you. As sure as I'm standing here, the Holy Spirit of God told me to preach this sermon tonight. I don't know who I'm talking to, but there are people in this room, you know what it's like for that well to spring. But it's been too long. It's been too much time. And tonight the Holy Spirit's saying, just let me get back to work. Just let me back in. Let me clean it up. Let me get involved. I'll make it brand new.